Welcome. It's good to see you here this morning. Um, for those visiting with us, we're so thrilled you're here. For those who have been gone for some time and may have been maybe returning this morning, we're so glad to see you this morning. For regular attenders here this morning, it is so good to see you here. So good to see all of you here. And I do pray that your heart has been prepared to receive the word this morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. It's good to see you guys. Can we give them a little bit of applause of appreciation this morning? We praise God for all dads and granddads and to-be dads and dad figures here at Crosspoint Community Church. And our, our goal is this, to do exactly what we just did, is to pray for you, to hold you up by God's grace in this crazy world we live in, to lead your families in the ways of of God. That is our prayer. So thank you for being here today. Today I would like to publicly praise God for those men in my life, my own father, Craig Scott, who taught me to love God and His Word with all my being. He taught me and He showed me that. I thank God for my dad. I praise God for my father-in-law, David Nice who has shown me in so many ways what it practically means to gladly serve God with any and every resource. I praise God for my father-in-law. I praise God for my grandpa, Royal Blue, former pastor of this church, who taught me to love the ministry. But more than that, he taught me to love the people of ministry. I praise God for my grandpa, Ralph Scott, who passed some 12 years ago, who is now with our Lord, but who showed me that even tough guys can love Jesus. <laughs> I praise God for my Grandpa Scott. So before we get into the Word this morning, I know we're anxious to jump into Matthew 6. I'm certainly anxious to do this. Um, what a wonderful study we have in front of us here today, but I... By way of, of personal testimony, I just want to say, I, I have been overwhelmed this week with so many things, so many aspects of my Heavenly Father. Uh, I have the privilege of preparing, obviously, for Sunday. I don't just get up here and start talking. But so through the week, as I'm meditating on these truths, God is just taking my heart and refining it. And this week, even the prayer walks I had, and tears coming to my, my eyes, so overwhelmed with how perfect my Heavenly Father is. How much He cares for me. Um, but also, the same tears came to my eyes on occasion this week because of my own deficiency as a human father. And these deficiencies, you know what they do? They remind me of how much I need my Heavenly Father over and over and over again. Just reminded as an earthly dad, doing my best as we do here. Trying to lead my family in the ways of the Lord. Reminded often how deficient I am at this. But remembering how sufficient my Heavenly Father is to help me on the path. Uh, before we get into the Word this morning, on the lighter side... So there were tears shed this week as I was preparing. Tears of gratitude, but there's also tears of laughter. <laughs> uh, just acknowledging my own deficiencies. And uh, so there was a church that put together a little compilation of things. 
And as dads, what do we do? We try to be as consistently as consistent as possible in the things we say and how we raise our families. We got to be consistent. For those of us who have multiple children, that is like not impossible to be consistent. But we try to say the same things, we try to do the same things, and there was a church that really took a sarcastic look at this. It was really helpful for me this week because I was carrying kind of a heavy load as, man, I'm, I'm a bad dad. <laughs> and I need you, God, but this is a reminder that even through our deficiencies, there's some things to laugh at. So I'm going to show this to you. I'm sorry, uh, we'll get into the word in just a minute. But this is in regard to things that fathers, stuff that dads Never say. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. <laughs> Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. <laughs> I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. <laughs> well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. <laughs> yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! <laughs> Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? <laughs> Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. <laughs> yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, <laughs> vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. <laughs> all right, so a bit of a lighter side this morning. Um, praise God that even in our deficiencies as dads, the things we try to be consistent at saying, the things we never really actually say, but we're thinking, we praise God that He uses us as instruments by God's grace, His grace alone to guide our kids to love Jesus more. So, at any rate, let's read a portion of this passage that we're going to look at this morning, but let's get down to business with the Word. Please take your Bibles, your devices, if you haven't done so already, and please go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Obviously, we're going to take a break from our Romans study. By the way, don't miss next week. We're going to get into more fun stuff in Romans chapter 2. 
And who knows, you might even hear a pastor tell you that parents need to obey their children. (laughs) I don't know if you caught that last week. Man, I tell you what, one of the hardest things as a pastor is to keep your own focus. And when you're saying a lot of words, sometimes those words come out and you're like, no, what was that word that just came out? So we're going to go back to that text next week and realize that parents aren't called to obey children. Children are called to obey parents. I don't know if you caught that last week. Some of you came up to me and said, wow, there's something new in the Scripture. (laughs) any rate, today on this fine Father's Day, as we salute and wholeheartedly express our gratitude to our earthly fathers, I would like to direct our attention for the next 30 minutes towards our Heavenly Father, the Sovereign Creator and Sustainer of of all life. Matthew chapter 6. This is on the back of your handout, and we're not going to read through all of these verses this morning. Kids are probably like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we'll let you take this home and read through all of these portions, but we're going we're gonna to jump through a couple of these. I want us to just pick, pick, pick at some of these, and as we read through these, I want you to very clearly notice a theme, and the theme was not hidden at all. This is Jesus, and we'll look, kind of lay the groundwork for the context in just a minute. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and he very, very clearly wants us to see this God as Father. Seventeen times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls God Father. And encourages us to do so. So let's just look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen of them or by them. For then you will have no reward from who? Your Father who is in heaven. Let's skip down to verse 3. But, and you can underline this next phrase, when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand know what your, or your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Let's go to verse 6. But, and you can underline these, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's let's jump down to verse 17. But, and you can underline these words, when you fast, so we see here very quickly that we're talking about expressions of worship to God. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 31, let's jump down to verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? And what sh- or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your f- 
Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Oh, what is this? On this Father's Day, as we dial into Matthew chapter 6, what is this? Well, very clearly in this text today, Matthew, writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is recording what Jesus Christ Himself says. And Jesus Christ, in this sermon, very clearly wants us to see God, not just as this Creator, this massive, powerful Creator, not just as the sustainer of all life who flexes His arms when He needs to, this mighty God that, that, that parts the sea and that creates the mountains. He wants us to see this God as who? Father. An endearing term that we must hold on to with all we have. Matthew 6. All right, so Matthew 6 is in the heart of what? The Sermon on the Mount. In your Bibles, it'll go from Matthew 5 to chapter 7. What is this? Having ministered to the multitudes, Jesus, and this is great when it comes to the context here, because what Jesus does is having ministered to all these multitudes, what does he do? He actually kind of abandons the multitudes and he goes up into this high mountain with his disciples. These are more dedicated followers of him. And he sits there, talks to them. And it's very important, he sits there in a very open discussion with them. And and is a matter consistent with what he would do here in teaching them in this culture. He sits there and he talks to them. And the main matter of talking to them is about his heavenly Father. He began to teach these devoted followers. And what does he teach them about? Matthew 5-7. through 7. Well, here's what he teaches them about. He teaches them about the ethics of his coming kingdom. What do I mean? These are specific expectations for Jesus' people. I mean, what is Jesus doing? He is laying down the ground rules for his coming kingdom for his loyal subjects. These expectations as you walk through them, Matthew 5 through 7, are absolutely brilliant. You're reading these and you're just, wow. Very clearly, this is leading us to realize that only Jesus, God's Son, could say these things. As is consistent with the conclusion that we are supposed to have all the way through the book of Matthew. That only Jesus, the Messiah, could be saying these things. But also, very quickly, as you're reading through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7, through we become quickly aware of the fact that these expectations are practically, just get this, they're practically impossible for someone. You cannot do this on your own. As you're walking through Matthew 5-7, through you're seeing this and you're like, oh, wow. So Jesus is talking to these people who are worshipers of Yahweh, God. Most of them have, in some aspects, followed the ways of Judaism. Jewish followers of Jesus Christ who want to cross their T's and dot their I's in worship. And then what does Jesus do? On top of this, I'm going to show you how, I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you how to fulfill this law through me. That's what Jesus is doing. So when you go through this, you're thinking, wow, this is what we have to do as kingdom followers? I can't do that. 
on my own. I can't do that. And that's exactly the conclusion that I believe Jesus Christ wants us to come to. But that's why this passage is so beautiful. Why? Because right at the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, He shows us you're not going to do it alone. Your Heavenly Father is going to be the one that is going to graciously guide you every step of the way. Again, 17 times He reminds us that it's not just you. It's not just your own willpower. It is the Heavenly Father that is going to guide you on this journey. Uh, I, I included, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning, a couple themes that I think help us to understand that as you go through the Sermon on the Mount. I'm just going to mention these. We're not going to dial in too deeply on these, but as you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you very clearly see this perfection. This is a theme. I mean, even as you go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, you can write that down or even look at it in your Bibles if you want to. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 tells us this, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Can you imagine these disciples looking around at each other saying, what? How? That's the end of chapter 5, leading us right into chapter 6. So, as you go through this text, Matthew 5 through 7, you realize that a perfect God has perfect expectations that are meant to be perfectly followed. That is the expectations of our God. But then, very quickly, you also realize this deficiency. In other words, on their own, God's people cannot perfectly follow God's perfect expectations. These disciples, we're talking about Peter and James and John. I mean, they can't even contain their temper for 10 minutes, <laughs> let alone live these expectations of the kingdom of God to blessed are the pure in heart. And they're like, oh boy, blessed are the peacemakers, and they're nudging each other. When you go through this, you realize we're deficient. We cannot do this on our own. But then it leads us to another word. It's dependency. As you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you find this word dependency. Here's where we step into the father terminology. As needy children, God's people must depend on their heavenly Father to sustain all of their efforts and to supply all of their needs all of them, not some of them. And, and that's important for us to understand today. This God, this Heavenly Father is invested in all of our needs, not some of our needs. It leads us to another word as you kind of follow the flow of thought of these themes through the, the Sermon on the Mount. By the way, there is so much written about the Sermon on the Mount. It is so good, so, ri so rich, but Sometimes you just got to take all of this stuff written about the Sermon on the Mount and you just got to go to the Sermon on the Mount <laughs> and go just dig in and soak in its truths. And one of the things you soak in as you go through this at the Sermon on the Mount is this, sufficiency. As a capable father, God the Father will, will perfectly provide for the needs of His children. Clearly at the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount Jesus wants His followers to recognize that God as their Heavenly Father, this authoritative and enduring term, graciously cares for them. 
God the Father's people need God the Father's grace to do God the Father's work. That's where we're headed in this passage. I'm not going to make this too complicated today. I just want us to take this chapter and I want us to, to see some of these ways that God the Father is highlighted. But I want us to follow along this, the lines of this key truth. Here it is. I'm kind of focusing in on that fourth summary statement, that theme, as a capable father, God will perfectly provide for the needs of his children. Kind of keying in on that. Here's a truth that we want to analyze today, and here it is. As our heavenly father, God will perfectly care for all our needs. If we walk out the doors in just a bit, I hope that we're overwhelmed with that thought. God the Father perfectly cares for all of your needs and your needs and your needs and your needs. There's not a single one of us in this room who have come to God by grace through faith that God will not supply our needs. And that is in this passage. How? Well, we're going to look at three simple points. He clearly sees all. He perfectly knows all, and He faithfully provides all. Let's start with the first one. This morning, in a very practical way, as we're struggling through things, the burdens on your hearts, dads, as you bring those to God, let us be assured of this, that God the Father clearly sees all. And what does he see specifically? He sees all our efforts. <laughs> That's in this text. All right, let's just look at verse 4 again. First, actually, start with verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right? We're not going to go on into all the nuances of that. I mean, in other words, don't be so anxious about all the details of how this is going to look as you serve God. Sure, you prepare to serve God. Sure, you do things in your life to prepare you to meet people's needs. But really, and that this is so good when it comes to even sharing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. As much as you prepare for this, who is going to be the one that is going to draw that soul to salvation? It is God the Father. And God the Father sees. He clearly sees all. Now we look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. What's, what's the significance of that? Well, you probably already surmised that there were people that would stand out there, as we see in the parables of Jesus and the stories of Jesus, that stand out there to pray all these high and mighty prayers to be seen by everyone. And it's like you want to go up to them and say, hey, who are you talking to anyway? <laughs> and that's kind of what Jesus says here. And all of this prayer, all of this effort to pray, pray in secret. Why? That doesn't, this isn't discouraging all public prayer. We see clearly that we play, pray publicly through the Scripture. But, he says this, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Look at verse 17. Would you jump down to verse 17? But when you fast, a clear expression of worship. 
has been massively abused through the centuries, through the millennium. But when you fast, this is withholding things for myself that I might fully worship God. And there are some that will fast. And why do they fast? It's the same thing. You want to go to them and say, why are you doing that? It's to be so famished that everybody would say, boy, that person really must love God. Or are you fasting because you want to know God more? And you want to thirst more after Him. And that's what Jesus is saying here. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, don't look so famished that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This Father is going to guide all of your efforts of worship. Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, with my kingdom ethics that deal with what? Starting with the heart. Don't get discouraged when some use and abuse expressions of worship. Which, by the way, have we seen that? Absolutely. I know the temptations of my own heart. All of our hearts to use and abuse expressions of worship to somehow make me look better. Jesus is saying, don't be discouraged when you see that happening. When you're faithfully serving Jesus, when you're seeking God with all your heart and you think no one sees this, well, don't be consumed with that because you are assured in Scripture that God sees this. Your Father sees this. He sees everything perfectly well. It's as if Jesus is saying three times, I guarantee you, that the loving Father will not miss your pure heart and pure intentions. He won't miss it. Your Father doesn't miss that. I was thinking this week, uh, we have a small pool in our backyard. Great for jumping in, especially these late afternoons, early evenings, when Redding is almost as hot as the eternal pit. (laughs) We jump in as a family. We splash around. Um, we play games, we shoot the basketball, all of these things we do, uh, play tag, you know, all these things you do in a pool. But one thing is certain, when my kids say, Dad, did you see that? I can honestly always, I cannot honestly always answer yes, because I can't see everything. When I'm in that pool with four, three or four of the kids, it was and we're playing, we're having a good time, and someone does that underwater flip. Dad, did you see that? I would have liked to have seen it, but I didn't. And all this stuff is happening. And, and then even more to the point in this passage, when one of the kids will go help their little sister, I don't always see that. One of them will help their dad or mom. I can be assured that as an earthly father, I don't see that. But I do know this. Every time I come to my heavenly father and I say, Dad, did you see that? He'll say, yeah, I saw it. Every single time he sees it. Jesus in this passage saying, your father who sees in secret, he knows. He sees everything you do. This is an encouragement, this is also an exhortation. (laughs) Guys, God sees our lives and our motivations from the inside out. He knows exactly what we're thinking and what we're doing. Those acts of, I mean, this is so good, brothers and sisters in Christ, especially at a place like corporate worship. 
Crosspoint Community Church, other churches. Those acts of service behind the scenes that no one will ever notice. I can assure you of this. God sees it. Your Father sees it. Those unseen smiles of compassion and unsolicited words of comfort to the hurting. Your Father sees it. Your times of personal prayer and worship. Those tears that come into your eyes so easily when you talk of sensitive things to your heavenly Father. It doesn't matter if anyone will ever see those. Why? Because your Father in heaven sees these. All right, so in this text, what Jesus is doing is compelling us to look to the Father. And He assures us that Father, He sees all of this. Okay, we're laying out kingdom ethics here. How are you going to live for Jesus in the kingdom? But don't be consumed with comparing yourself with that person over there and that person over there. Why? Because you're doing all of this for your heavenly Father. And He sees this. God the Father clearly sees. Let's see another point here. God the Father perfectly knows. Oh, this is so good. Because this Father doesn't just see what's happening, He intimately knows what's happening. I think this goes right in line with one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. My son David's working through this this summer. Psalm 139. That God sees everything, but at the same time, God knows everything. This is not just some God up there, the big man upstairs that's just kind of watching his world happen. No, he intimately knows everything you are going through right now. Every piece and every nuance of that financial trial and that physical trial that you're going through. Guess what? God knows that. It is not a surprise to him. And where do we see this in this text? Twice we see this in this text, that Jesus assures us that God knows everything. Verse 7, let's, let's start with that. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, which is ironic because he's talking about Gentiles praying here. This is godless people praying here, let alone Jewish people. We're talking about Gentile people here, godless people praying to be seen. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father, what? Knows what you need before you ask him. Jump down to verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. He mentions again the Gentiles. Godless people. And then he says this, and your heavenly fathers knows that you need them all. What is this? This is a clear description of the fact that God not only sees everything that is going on in the lives of His children, but He intimately knows everything that is going on in the life of His children. Those deepest, darkest fears, God knows. Your Father knows. Those incessant anxieties that grip your heart so strongly, your Father knows those necessary provisions, God knows. Your Father knows. By the way, when does He know? (laughs) That last line there. When does He know? Before you even ask Him. What an amazing Father is this! He knows 
even before we even know we need it. That's the kind of God this is. He is painting, and we often, we often bring this metaphor into the picture. He has painted on and is painting on a canvas that is so far beyond our wildest dreams. And he knows exactly what is on that canvas. And when we're face up to the canvas and our nose, and all we can see is this blur of colors, he sees the whole painting behind you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. And he has ordained it perfectly in your life to guide you along the way. Practically, for Father's Day, I'll, I'll just be open, honest, as try to be real in this pulpit every Sunday. I'm going to tell you, one of my greatest fears in all of life is raising a family in this broken world. Can I share with you the same assurance that I've been receiving all week long? My brothers, my brother dads in this room, God the Father knows. He knows what your family needs. As we put maximum effort into our walk with Christ, and that's actually in the Sermon on the Mount, you are to put maximum effort into your journey, into this kingdom ethics. It's not just sitting back and watching this happen. No, you are to put maximum effort into this. As you put maximum effort into your walk with Christ, as we daily fight for the spiritual well-being of our treasured children, dads, let us never forget, God knows. God knows what we're going through in the middle of the night when we wake up. We can't sleep and those tears won't leave our faces. God knows. As Jesus so profoundly assured on the Sermon on the Mount, God the Father clearly sees all. God the Father perfectly knows all of our needs. And then I absolutely love this. God the Father faithfully provides for all of our needs. By the way, let's dial in on one word first. It's the word need. <laughs> All right. Um, we could quickly derail theologically if we say that God the Father, Father will provide for everything you'll call out for. <laughs> Anything you want. Boom. Genie God's got it. Uh, that's not what this is saying. He provides for all of our needs. He's not out to provide every individual dream of riches and power and prestige, but I know from this passage is so clearly articulated, even in the Lord's Prayer, He provides for our daily what? Needs. Our daily bread. Let's look at this. I'll just read these this morning. Rather than trying to explain all of this, let's just go right to verse 25. Jesus preaches the best sermon, so let me just read it. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about your clothing? (laughs) Oh boy. Can we just read that like 30 times in the 21st century? Why are you so anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, (laughs) will he not much more clothe you? Oh, and then this phrase. Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, verse 31. Do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your Father knows that you need them all. And here it is. I love this. Right here in this great discussion on the fact that our Father is providing all of our needs. So what is the responsibilities, brothers and sisters in Christ? Dad's here today. What can we take home and live out every day this week? Here it is, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, in other words, your daily needs, will be added to you. may not look the way you thought it would look at this stage in your life, Dad. But your Father's taking care of you right now. You realize that? God's got you. It may not be in line with your American dream. However you want to describe that. But I will tell you this. Your Father's taking care of you right now. It may not be as much as Brother Bob or Sister Sally. Sorry if you're Brother Bob or Sister Sally here. But I'll tell you this, your Heavenly Father is taking care of you right now, whether you know it or not. I love how Paul expresses this to the church of Philippi. You know this verse. Philippians 4.19, because we went to this a couple years ago. And here's what Paul says to the church of Philippi. And my God... This is that father that Jesus was talking about. My God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory. And here it is, in Christ Jesus. What is all of the Sermon on the Mount leading us to? Here's what it's leading us to. Jesus. The one who's actually preaching the sermon. It is all leading us to Him. And as you walk through the flow of the Sermon on the Mount, you come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and there's this strong compelling of put your true faith and foundation in Jesus Christ alone. Ultimately, all of our needs are met in Jesus Christ. So what? I I mean, just a couple quick questions today as we wrap this up and go our way and have a wonderful lunch together with the food that God has provided for us, wearing the clothes that God provided for us, and going to our houses that God provided for us. Here's a question. Is God your heavenly Father? 
very choice uh, words here. Maybe a, a better way of asking this would be this, though. Are you his child? I'd like to remind you of this. Jesus left the multitudes to go talk to his disciples. And I think one of the questions we have to ask are, is this, am I his child? The theme of the entire book of Matthew is this, place your faith in Jesus the Messiah. That's the theme of the book. Jesus is the only one who can heal this way. Jesus is the only one that was prophesied this way. Jesus is the only one that can teach this way. So what? Put your faith in Jesus. The entire Sermon on the Mount is certainly about kingdom ethics, certainly about the Father, but the point, especially at the end, is God's children are the ones who have placed their true faith in Jesus. I so appreciate it. Like I said, there's so much written out there. If you can read, though, what a guy named Martin Lloyd-Jones writes about the Sermon on the Mount, do it. He writes this, There is nothing that so leads to the gospel and its grace as the Sermon on the Mount. We need a gracious Father who provides a gracious Son. So, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? I was taught it this way. A, B, C. Admit you're a sinner and in need of a new master. Believe in a good Savior, Jesus Christ. C, call to Him for forgiveness and salvation. If you've never come to Jesus Christ in faith, would today be the day when you admit that you're a sinner, when you believe in the good Savior, and when you call to Him for forgiveness and salvation? Another question, though, that we must analyze is this. Are you today trusting your Heavenly Father? Okay, so this is more theology with shoes on for those who have come to Jesus by grace through faith, Cross Point Community Church people. You know you've come to Jesus by faith, who are walking in newness of life, who are growing in this Christ. I have this question. Are you, especially dads here today, are you trusting your Heavenly Father right now? Are you depending on the one who loves you most? This means realizing that your Father sees you even when it seems you are desperately lost in the world you're living in right now. When you look at the demographics of suicide, you think about what happens to men in their middle life who lose sight of this, it's discouraging. So that is why I'm here today telling you dads, granddads, don't lose sight of the fact that God sees you clearly. He sees everything you're going through right now. Not only does He see you in this desperately lost world, but He knows you even when you feel like your life is a confused mess spinning out of control, which so often happens. Dads, we're good at putting on that big man. I got it all together. But you know what it's like in those deep, dark nights when it feels like everything's spinning out of control 
And might I assure you with the same thing that Jesus assures his disciples of is this, the Father knows you perfectly. God the Father sees clearly. God the Father knows perfectly. This means that your Father, as we see in this text, he will provide faithfully for your every need. Even when your resources seem hopelessly bleak, God will provide. This means, though, for us that we are to obey the command of Jesus Christ at the end of this section, and here it is. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, your daily needs, will be added to you. Dads, and we're not going to leave out moms, and teens, and children, and young adults, and granddads, and grandmas, let every one of us leave here today and be resolved to never forget this, that as our Heavenly Father, God will perfectly care for all of the needs of His children, including yours. So thank you, God, for this reassurance today from Matthew chapter 6. Thank you for what you've done in my own heart this week. We are so prone to be self-sufficient. And you are regularly, Father, compelling us to trust in you as the good Father. Oh, I pray today, Father, that you would give every dad here in this room the grace to believe in this on this Father's Day. Every mom and child and teen and young adult here today, grandmas and grandpas, that we would all remember that we have a gracious and good Father in you. My friends here today, we try to mention this every Sunday, that it's no mistake that you are here. God wanted you here this morning. For whatever reason, through all the texts that I was working through this week and thoughts about what to present on Sunday, God wanted us to hear from Matthew chapter 6. That there's a Father who knows everything you're going through, who sees everything you're going through, and He will provide the way. My question today is this, will you trust this God? Some of you need to trust God with your life. You need to put your faith and trust in this good Savior. And I would encourage you today, admit that you're a sinner. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on Jesus to save you. Would today be that day? Those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you today, trust this good Father. I'm going to tell you, there, there might be some things you're struggling with right now that you're going to need to go home this afternoon after you eat that wonderful meal. <laughs> you're going to need to go home and find a quiet place. And you're going to need to do what Peter, who heard this on the ser- the Sermon on the Mount, who was there, you're going to need to do what Peter says, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Maybe you need to take some time today, an extended amount of time this morning, 
this afternoon to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so, God, that is the prayer of our hearts. Thank you for the opportunity we had to study your word today. Kind of take a little bit of a, a rabbit trail from our normal study in Romans, but to God be, to be encouraged by the fact that you are our heavenly Father. We are deficient. We are dependent. You are sufficient. And you provide for our needs. Thank you for that thought. Thank you so much that we could be here in church today and as we close out with this song of praise to you, 10,000 reasons, I pray that we would sing this with all of our hearts this morning. Out of gratitude and humility, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for your attentiveness this morning on this Father's Day. Um, take time to talk with your dads today. I know you will. <laughs> take time to talk to your dads, to pray for dads in this room, and to thank them. Some of you came ready to share of your resources today. We're not going to pass offering plates. We've kind of gone away from that. We're going to, but there are boxes in the back if you would like to share of your resources that way. A um, couple quick things. One, don't forget, VBS is coming up, not this week, but the next. So volunteers, be ready to pour your heart into these kids. And if you haven't signed up your kids for VBS, now would be a great time if you haven't done so. Then, join us next week, Romans chapter 2. Boy, we get into some more fun stuff.